Hey, what up, what up, what up? Welcome, everyone. Bienvenidos to episode two of Yes Way. I am Daniel Weingarten. This is my podcast. I don't feel like I need to say that, but I feel like I need to say it. Anyway, uh, this is episode two. Uh, for those of you that listened to episode one already, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. For those that left a review uh, and a rating on iTunes, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And for those of you that don't, if you if you could, if you could leave uh, a rating and a review on iTunes, subscribe. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to my channel. Leave a nice comment. You know, put the positivity out into the world. I would really appreciate it because that's how that's how these things grow right you know word of mouth you spread it you let people know you know you take the wings of the word and you flap them around and then people are like whoa look at those wings flapping what's that and you're like hey it's yes way with daniel weingarten you should listen to it so you know hop on board let's 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 make this happen let's let this thing grow uh, quick announcement, I have a show coming up, uh, this podcast is being released on Wednesday, July 10th, uh, I have a show this Friday, July 12th at the Hollywood Improv, uh, it's at 9.30, I have new material, so if you're in Los Angeles and you want to come see me live, I have that show at the Improv this Friday, I have uh, new material, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think there's like 10 or 15 tickets left at this point, so if they're still available uh, when you see this and you want to go grab those tickets uh, before uh, it sells out. And uh, I'm also planning other shows in other cities right now for the rest of the year, so stay tuned for other cities and other dates. And yeah, man, what have I been up to? What's What's been going on? Well, this podcast mostly, I want to talk about uh, uh, the trip that I recently took, because I recently went to Mexico. I went to Mexico, and it was the best, man. I love going and visiting my family there. For this trip specifically, I went to go visit my abuela, I saw my uncles, um, but I went to visit her, and I say abuela a lot, but I call her Bobe, Bobe, because, you know, we're Jewish, Bobe, it's a Yiddish word, uh, you know, but I think, I just, now I just, I, I go abuela and Bobe, but I call her Bobe, uh, but, you know, for the sake of this, I went to go visit my abuela, so you guys aren't like, what, why is he saying Bobe? Well, I went to visit my abuela, I went to go visit my grandmother, and uh, and I love going there, and I love seeing her, she's she's the best, man, she, she's, she is, she's, she's the funniest person that I know. There's nobody who is as naturally funny as she is. And it's because she's honest. She is just 1000% who she is. She she is the definition of not giving a fuck. No le importa lo que la gente piensa. She doesn't care what people think. She's just her. As she puts it, I am honest because I need to be. And I'm rude when I need to be. And if I like you, good for you. If I don't, tough. Not tough luck, just tough. And uh, yeah, I, mean, I have so many great memories going and visiting her uh, in, in, in Mexico, visiting my family there. But, but her specifically, there was just something, there's, there's something uh, you know, uh, about her that I've always like, looked up to uh, in a way. Both of my grandmothers, uh, you know, specifically, you know, since we're talking about, about her, you know, I think I just... I always wanted to like impress her for some reason. I just thought she was so cool, you know. She's this this you know this this lady dresses nicely, smokes cigarettes, you know, drinks coffee, you know. I was like, she's lived a life. And I actually when I started smoking cigarettes, I don't smoke cigarettes anymore, but I used to. I used to smoke. And when I started and I went to go visit her, I was like, ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna impress her. I'm gonna impress my grandmother. Right, so I went. I went there, and I'm like, "Hey, abuela, uh, Bobby, you know, I, I started smoking cigarettes." And she's like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "Yeah," and she's like, "Okay, you wanna, you wanna go uh, have a cigarette and a coffee down at the coffee shop, you know, down in in my neighborhood?" And I'm like, "Yeah, let's do it." Right, so we go down to the coffee shop, and we we start smoking the cigarette. But I, uh, I think it was the pollution in Mexico, uh, because in Mexico City, the pollution is really bad, like really bad. So the cigarette started to make me sick and I'm like, Abuela, I don't, I don't, I don't feel so good. And she looked at me and she was like, well, pues, go up to the apartment and take a nap until you feel better and come back here when you can smoke like an adult. So I just took a nap and I didn't come back down to smoke like an adult because I was like, I don't feel like feeling sick anymore. Right. I was like, I was trying to impress her and I kept doing it. One time, uh, I was my I went with my dad. My dad was in town too, and he didn't know I smoked cigarettes. And I was smoking with her at the coffee shop. And then he called, and he's like, "I'm gonna be there in 15 minutes." And I'm freaking out because I'm like, "Oh no, my dad's gonna show up. 
He's going to find out I smoke cigarettes. My life's going to be over. I'm having an anxiety attack. And she's like, oh, you know, the preocupes. Don't worry. We got this. So, you know, we went. They got these stands in Mexico City, these like newspaper stands where they, they sell, you know, candy and, and newspapers and drinks. You know, it's like a little mini, mini convenience store on the street. And we got some chiclets, you know, because chiclets is the go-to, man. Chiclets is the juicy fruit, baby. You get some chiclets, you're good to go. We got the breath covered, right? Now we got to worry about my stench on my clothing, on myself. You get a little candle, una vela, una vela candle of La Virgen de Guadalupe. You like that? I know we're Jewish, but we can use we can use a little, a little Catholic help, a little Catholic, you know, smell to 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 take off the stench of this cigarette of these benson and hedges because that's what she smoked right you take that candle you light it it's like an incense baby just and then you're good to go and then that didn't if that doesn't do it then you just get a bottle of suavitel and then you just pour it on yourself might be a little wet but you're gonna smell phenomenal like lavender and yeah i just I don't know, man. I, I always get excited when I get to go to Mexico because I get to, I, I just love going to other cities and especially in other countries. And my favorite thing to do is to look out the window uh, as, you're, as you're driving into the city, kind of like Bill Murray in Lost in Translation when he's driving into Tokyo. And I love doing that in Mexico. Although when you go to Mexico City, when you go to El DF, El Distrito Federal, or as they say it now, CDMX, um, you, you know, people, when they drive there, they drive. Like, there are traffic laws, but traffic laws in Mexico City are suggestions. It may say red, but whatever. If you... Pedestrian... Cars have the right of way there. So, I'm I'm driving in, and I had a... We had a good driver. Like, I mean, yeah, everyone's a good driver. You're just, like, used to people following the law more or less here. And there, they're like, we're just gonna drive. Things will play out as they will play out. So we're driving in, and the first thing I notice as we're driving into the city is there are bird scooters. There are bird scooters in Mexico City, a lawless land with lawless roads, and there are people riding the bird scooters on the streets. Now, we have bird scooters here, and people get hit here where people more or less follow the laws, more or less, right? Like at least like there's there, there's not like I don't give ching kikisa chinga and you know fuck the law. No 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 no. Here it's like, I mean, I mean fuck the law, but you know I'm gonna follow it for the most part. There, ever whatever man. And people are riding bird scooters around. Children, there are parents letting their children ride bird scooters. I don't man. Look, maybe I'm super neurotic. Maybe I am super you know like over. Oh, overprotective and cautious, but I ain't letting my kid drive a bird scooter. I'm not letting myself ride a bird scooter. I don't want to go skydiving, but that is definitely safer than riding a bird scooter in Mexico City. Riding a bird scooter in Mexico City is like saying, yo, I'm going to take a walk through a war zone. I'm going to take a walk through the triangle of death in 2003. No. We're, we're, we're not going to do it. The bird, the only thing that the bird scooter is going to do is the only bird is your soul floating out of your body after you get hit by a Volkswagen and you dead. So hard pass, <laughs> hard pass. Another thing I noticed driving in was uh, an olive garden. Now, it shouldn't be surprising that a chain rent restaurant uh, is in another country. Of course not. I, I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, but there was just something about, I, to me, an Olive Garden is just like this American institution of j just fake Italian food. You know, it's just, it's the clown version of Italian food. And they have, you know, they have one there. And I go, I mean, I guess, I guess they need their, you know, bottomless breadsticks and endless soup as well you know they need their deals too so it may it makes sense to me but then i got curious i just went okay so there's an olive garden in mexico city in polanco right which is where we were driving through and i'm like what what do people think of this olive garden right 
And so I decided to go online and I decided decided to uh decide, decide, I decided to uh that's decide, that's after you eat too many breadsticks and too much soup you're on and I can't speak. Um I decided to uh, look up some reviews and see what do the people that go to this Olive Garden think of this Olive Garden. And look guys, it was pretty surprising. I'm thinking it probably has mediocre reviews, right? Pretty mediocre reviews. And here's the thing, it does. I, it doesn't have mediocre reviews, actually. Like, it's not it's it's not super average. Yelp, it's like a 3.5, I think. I think Yelp is like a 3.5. Then there's TripAdvisor, which is actually pretty high on TripAdvisor. On TripAdvisor, it's, oh no, it's a 3.5 with 31. So it's like right down the middle. But it's, you know, mostly, um, uh, my phone went off. I'm the worst. Um, it's 31 reviews, 35, but it's ranked on TripAdvisor out of 5,700 restaurants in Mexico, 5,732 restaurants in Mexico City. It is 2001, which means there are 3,600 restaurants, 37, 3,700 restaurants, excuse my arithmetic, 3,700 restaurants that are ranked worse than Olive Garden. And that makes sense because there's probably standards to just like the food in terms of not just like a just like a base kind of chain restaurant standard, um, but really was uh, Google was where most of the reviews were. Nine hundred and fifteen reviews, people. Nine hundred and fifteen reviews. Four point two stars. A lot of five stars. A lot of five stars. A lot. I mean, let's look at this right here. Look at all those five stars. That line up top, five stars. Four point two. Um, and we started. Uh, Start, start, I started to look through these reviews, and I went, what do the people think? Now, the people that love it, the people that love it, they they love it. The people that don't, really do not love it. Um, I went to this one guy, uh, Rafael is his name. Uh, he's made nine reviews at nine other places. So, you know, he's he's like a, like a AAA player in the Google review game. And he said, um, este restaurant is el mejor lugar para comer. Se los recomiendo y un buen servicio de atención del personal. So that, you know, this is the best place to eat. And I recommend it. It has great service and attention to, you know, to the, to, 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 to the customer. Now, I went and looked at Rafael's photo. Rafael looks young. I'm gonna be honest, Rafael. He he looks he looks young in this in his avatar photo. Um, av uh, yeah, in the avatar. That's in his avatar. Um, he looks young, so I'm guessing Rafael needed you know he needed a cheap date, right? But he wanted to take whoever he was you know taking on a date to a restaurant. So where do you go when you want a cheap restaurant date? Olive Garden makes sense. And I'm guessing that, you know, they were young, they were happy, they went, ooh, we're eating, we're eating fancy Italian food. I get bottomless breadsticks and soup. Baby, you could have as much as you want. All the soup, all the salad, all the breadsticks, whatever you want, I got you. I got you. So she was, she, you know, or he, whoever they went on the date on, date with, was impressed, right? And was, uh, and, and he was like, it, it went well for me. It went well for me, and guess what? It didn't put a dent in my wallet. It did not affect my bank account significantly because Olive Garden. Because when you're there, you're family. That's right. But then we get, you know, and look, there are people that go, it's great, it's good, the service is good. The negative reviews, though. The negative reviews, man. People really, really, really were affected. Um, by their experience at Olive Garden. I always wonder the psychology of somebody who goes to a restaurant and then goes and writes a review. Now, I understand a good review, right? I understand, like, I'm going to write a good review. They did a good job. I had a good experience. I want to help them. It's this kind of, it's really like a nice thought. It's like, I know reviews matter. I want to help this restaurant that gave me a good experience. I'm going to write a good review. But a bad review, I guess it depends what kind of bad review it is. What happened? Did they punch you in the nuts? Because if they punched you in the nuts when you asked for a glass of water, write a review and file a police report. But if the food just wasn't that great, you went to Olive Garden. What did you expect? Like, you can't go to Olive Garden and then write reviews like this. Bastante crema en todas partes y bastante queso. Si te agrada el queso, quedarás satisfecho. Which means, 
There was a lot of cream all over the place and a lot of cheese. If you like the cheese, you'll be satisfied. Yeah, bro, it's Italian at Olive Garden. There's cheese, okay? There is cream, okay? There is diabetes, okay? You're not, it's not gonna be healthy. It's gonna be creamy and cheesy and, you know, just clog up your arteries. And if you're expecting anything less when you go to Olive Garden, you didn't do your research. If you know how to go and write a negative review, then you should know how to find and look up reviews on the restaurant before you go to the restaurant and know whether you're going to like it or not. That's, that's it. Other reviews. Overrated. Don't order their pizzas. The bread in it is full of sugar. Sorry to say, but the place was a cruel disappointment. Sad face emoji. Overrated. I mean, I guess a 4.2 is overrated for Olive Garden. I'm a 4.2 is generous for Olive Garden, but, you know. Now, this was the most pragmatic review that I saw. Uh, and this was from Enderpants Gaming, uh, who is not a person. I'm assuming, uh, well, it's a, it says uh, Enderpants Gaming is a local guide. So this is a local guide. 27 reviews, um, four stars. And Enderpants Gaming said, it's good overall. Don't expect fine dining, but the food is tasty. The staff is nice and fast, plus refills on most drinks and on super salad, so that's worth it alone. Now that is a honest, a honest review. That makes sense. A review that says, you know what? I have a grasp on what the world actually looks like and how it functions. And I don't think that I'm going to go to this restaurant and experience a meal that rivals one that you're going to have in Sicily. Bro, we're not in Sicily. We're in Mexico City. It ain't a Sicilian chef. There's some dude back there that's just trying to pay his rent. All right. And he maybe, maybe he's not that great of a chef. And he goes, yo, but you know what I'm really good at? I'm good at putting cream and cheese and death into the food. And death tastes delicious, apparently. It does. Saturated fats taste phenomenal. So enjoy it. Um, let's see. Do, are there any other ones? This was good. Jorge. Jorge. Jorge, ¿qué onda, güey? ¿Qué onda, Jorge? ¿Cómo lo pasaste? ¿Lo pasaste re bien, eh? No, pues, se ve que no. It looks like you didn't have a great time. Se parece que no. porque Jorge, because Jorge, 11 months ago, 11 months ago, guys, 2018, all right? August, August 2018, Jorge went there, and apparently, apparently, Jorge left, uh, and he had a crisis of faith. He, he was torn up inside because he reviewed this Olive Garden like somebody that he went on a first date with. He said, this review is difficult because, one, the service and attention is very good. Two, the food is what it has to be. I mean, they serve what it says on the menu. But three, food is garbage. Nothing tastes like anything. Pure melted cheese on top of everything. Chicken tastes like cheese. The pasta tastes like cheese. Lasagna tastes like cheese. But it's what it says on the menu. All right, let's break this down. First of all, the service intention is very good. There are a lot of reviews that say that it's not. I think that just has to do with when you go in or who you are as a person. Because maybe there's people going in there that just suck. And they're rude to the staff because they have unrealistic ex expectations and they don't get served well. Or maybe the staff just isn't very good. Uh, and that, that's, I get it, right? That's, that, that's the thing when you go to restaurants. But service intention, very good. That's probably where some of, two of those five stars comes from. Two, the food is what it has to be. I mean, they serve what it says on the menu. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad they serve what it says on the menu. I'm glad that's probably where the other star came from. Just the lowest bar when it comes to having a culinary experience is, I mean, I ordered lasagna and they brought me lasagna and they didn't bring me a bowl of ice cream. So the other star goes for that. But this is where it goes off the wagon, guys. Food is garbage. Nothing tastes like anything. Pure melted cheese on top of everything. Chicken tastes like cheese. The pasta tastes like cheese. Lasagna tastes like cheese. Oh, I'm sorry. Nothing tastes like anything. Pretty sure cheese is something. 
Pretty sure cheese is something, Jorge. And you ordered it with cheese, so there's going to be cheese. And here's the thing. Chicken tastes like cheese. The pasta tastes like cheese. Lasagna tastes like cheese. What else was supposed to be in there? That's what I want to know. Did you order a, a like a cheesy pasta, like a like a like a like a cream in there, and then it's cheese? Because pasta by itself doesn't taste like much. It's what you what you cook it with, right? We do it a nice bolognese, then we're gonna have some meat flavors in there, right? Is it gonna be a marinara? We got tomato. But if you ordered a pasta that's got some cheesy, you know. Some, some cheesy kind of sauce there, it's gonna taste like cheese. Chicken, same thing. I know that as, uh, you know, as white people, we might think that chicken by itself tastes like something, but it doesn't. I know we think, ooh, I like that chicken flavor. I mean, chicken has a flavor, you know, of blandness. Chicken has a flavor the way that dental floss has a flavor. It has a texture to it, right? Has a texture. But then what are you cooking? Did you order a chicken parmesan? Then it's going to taste like cheese. And I'm guessing there was also tomato in there. But I think you were so wrapped up with the cheese. You were like, this is cheese everywhere. And then lasagna. Yeah, you, lasagna tastes like cheese, man. Is, 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 there's there's, there's going to be cheese in lasagna. <laughs> also, chicken, pasta, lasagna. Is the pasta the lasagna? Because the lasagna technically is is pasta, right? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. I mean, the only Italian I know is Arrivederci, but um, pretty sure the the pasta lasagna is made of, of pasta. There's pa there's pasta and lasagna. Did you order all three? Did you do a sampling menu? You ordered a lot. Did you chase from other people? And you were like cheese, 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 cheese on Van Eyes. That's the only people in LA are gonna get that. Um, <laughs> but and then he just finished. But it's what it says on the menu. So I'm guessing that it says on the menu cheese, and you said. I want that. I will actually want three cheese things because it says it on the menu. And now I'm going to complain that there's too much cheese. N no. That's like going to a romantic comedy and be like, nah, it's too much romance. It's too much comedy. I wanted a sad horror film. Well, sorry, buddy, but you're watching 10 Things I Hate About You. And the hate isn't violent. The hate is emotional. So it is what it said it was. It didn't present itself differently. I'm sorry. So moral of the story, I'm not going to the Olive Garden. I'm not, not, I'm not, I'm not going to Olive Garden. But if I did, you know, I'm not going to complain uh, if, 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 it's, if it's not spectacular. Because it's not supposed to be spectacular. I think at one point they said they have deals uh, for 119, 119 pesos right, which is like six bucks, and I looked up, and the best deal you can get in America uh, is an eight ninety nine meal, which is 170 pesos, more or less, uh, maybe, maybe like 180 pesos, because it's like uh, 20 to 1, so, um, you know, you're getting like three dollars cheaper than America there at Olive Garden, so you're, get, you're getting a deal, you're getting a deal, um, and then finally, uh, well, not finally, we still got some, some, some ways to go, I went and met up with my abuela. I went, I went and met up with her. Uh, she lives down uh, about an hour south of Mexico City now, and we went to we spent the day uh, in Tepoztlan, uh, which is a small uh, little uh, town. And they had a market there, and we walked through the market, and they they were selling artisanal goods. Um, that's oh my god, art, they were selling artisanal goods. You know, um, they had this toothbrush that was made out of maple syrup and it was artisanal so you know unlike olive garden very artisanal um and we bought a cutting board and here's the thing when i go especially when i go to other countries and stuff is way cheaper than it is here in the states i don't feel good bargaining i don't i don't feel like 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 I, what am i gonna save a dollar right Something is a hundred in in ten hundred and ten pesos, right? What am I gonna be like? Oh well, I I want ninety pesos. What I'm I'm saving, you know, I'm 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 saving a dollar, right? And that that twenty pesos actually makes a difference to that person. Like I don't, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bargain. I'm not gonna barter. You give me the price. It sounds pretty good to me, right? Maybe I'm getting a little screwed over, but I'm not getting screwed over. You know, my abuela, she loves to bargain. She does, right? She grew up in Mexico. She lived in Mexico her whole life. It's part. It's just kind of in that culture, you know? And we, we went, and there were these cutting boards, really nice cutting boards, you know, handmade, 
wooden cutting boards and we needed a bigger cutting board so we're like let's let's check that out and i'm going to ask for the price and my abuela gets and she goes no 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 i got this so she goes over oh yeah cuánto cuesta esto how much does this cost and the guy looks at her and he's like ah it's a va a ser va a ser ah 135 pesos para eso right which is like what 6 bucks 650 right my abuela right away ugh Ay, no, 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 no. Muy caro, muy caro. Mira, it's too expensive. Yo, yo no soy gringa. I, I am not American, so don't give me the gringa price. Don't give me the gringo price. Don't give me the American price. But I'm back there, and I'm like, yeah, abuela, but we're American, and that's a really good price. I couldn't get a cutting board that nice, right? That for that cheap at a Williams Sonoma sample sale. Like this just it's not we're not getting that. I spent double that on a coconut milk shake with eucalyptus leaves that I thought would cleanse me like a week ago and it did nothing. It just made me sick. I was on the toilet for 2 hours after that. This is a phenomenal deal. We we should go with this. No, no, I got it. So then I have to do the thing where I, I like I look at the guy and I go, "No te preocupes. I, it's fine." And then I go, "Abuela, I like distract her." I'm like, "Look over there." And then I take the money out and I give it and then we go. Um <laughs> and we had lunch and lunch was good. Um we had a I mean, dude, it's the food, man. And it's also the presentation. The service in Mexico is so good, except apparently at the Olive Garden, the service isn't good. But in general, like, service in Mexico is so good. They, they're, they're, there's pride in it. There's care in it, you know? It's not like in L.A. where waiters just want to be actors and they're just, like, resent. there's resentment for being there. It's like people are fucking hard workers and good services is, is, is a part of is a part of the culture. And, you know, you order a little little tequila shot, a little Don Julio, Don Julio Reposado, and it comes with a sangrita and a little lime, right? And then you're sipping on the tequila and you got the sangrita. It's like, bro, no, here? No. No, here. Bro, let me get a tequila. I, they, they literally, they throw it at your face and you have to catch it with your mouth, right? And then the glass breaks and then they're like, oh, it's going to be $48 uh, for the bloody lip experience in Los Angeles. Only, only here at this bar in this warehouse that's abandoned, that's covered in needles, but not there. There, the service is amazing. We had, what did we have for lunch? We had uh, some uh, some tacos de, de pato al pastor, and then we had uh, cecina, and um, we had some sopes, and it was, it, was, it was so good. My grandma, though, at one point, she wanted to take a selfie, so we're taking a selfie. And, uh, you know, we put up the, we put up the phone. I don't know why, why am I showing you? Why am I trying to explain what a selfie is? We all know what a selfie is. I put the camera up and we go to take a photo and she looks at herself and she goes, I, I, no, 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 no. I'm folding. I'm folding. Look at these wrinkles. I, no, 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 no. I, I wasn't like this before. Now, a couple things. One, she said she was folding, which is hilarious she referred to herself like she was a piece of origami she referred to herself like she was a poker hand she referred to herself like (laughs) like she was a dollar bill that was just bunched up in her wallet and she said i wasn't like this before and she seemed surprised at her wrinkles and i'm like did you just decide 30 years ago to stop looking in mirrors and this is the first time that you you've actually seen yourself um cuz yo she's 84 she got wrinkles right but she was so self-conscious i guess apparently like my abuela like i said like she doesn't care she doesn't give a flying fuck about anything but she was so self-conscious in the photo that every photo for the rest of the day she'd be like i'd be like abuela i want to take a photo of you and she'd be like this she would pull her face back she gave herself a facelift but then like laid her hands on her face like it was a cute little pose like the pose that they make you know kids do when they're taking family photos you know like the the hands under the chin or the hands next to the face right she was doing that but she slowly you know realized she's 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 pulling it back she's pulling it back she's so funny she's the best man she's just the best i swear man i know I didn't have grandfathers uh, growing up because they passed when I was when I was younger. But I am incredibly grateful uh, for my grandmothers. Yeah, I'm just so incredibly grateful uh, 
for, for, for my grandmothers and for the family that, that I do have. And, and family's so God damn important, you know, and there, there's just something special about it. And I obviously, if we're being honest, I had much closer connection to my family in Mexico growing up because that's where I went and visited. You know, I have an entire family in Argentina um, that we, I just didn't go to Argentina a ton growing up. I, I just didn't, right? So I didn't form that same connection with them. And I went there in December and, you know, I saw some of them and, you know, my grandma I'm, I'm, I'm much closer with uh, than, than the rest of my family. But those that, that, that I do know uh, in my family, you know, I, 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 I yearn for, for, for a closer connection and, you know, sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. But for those of you that, you know, when your family's around, dude, and you get the chance to hang out with them, like be present. I, I like, I really was off of my phone, you know, that entire weekend for the most part, you know, I would take some photos here and there, but like, I was like, yo, I'm just, I'm going to be here. I'm going to enjoy this. Right. There's a, there's a mariachi band playing and they come to your table and your first instinct is, Oh, I want to put this on Instagram, but it's like, just sit back and enjoy this moment. Right. Sit back and be like, ah, Take the photo in your mind and feel it. I feel like we don't feel things anymore because we're so worried about getting getting it on video or getting it on tape and getting the good shot that we don't have a chance to actually experience the emotions associated with these beautiful moments. And we think that like we're gonna experience the nostalgia if we go back and watch it. But like, dude, I have so much stuff on my phone that I'm never gonna look at again. I could delete everything on my phone, delete it, and I, I would probably be fine. I would probably be fine. Sure, there's a few things in there I'd probably wanna keep, but for the most part, I'd be fine, right? Because like that nostalgic feeling does not does not outweigh the feeling of of, of actually being in it and being in that moment. So that was like the best part of of of, of, of the trip was getting to spend time with her, spend time with my uncles, and and really be in it and be present and 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 feel that love and 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 cherish it. It really was such a special. I spent I spent the, the day and night with her, her and my girlfriend, and. It was just special, man. It was just special if you just allow yourself to. And also, I think, I think we we forget that our, our grandparents they've lived an entire life. She's you know my grandma. She's eighty three or eighty four. I forget, but she's eighty. I forget when she, if she turned eighty four. But I mean, an entire life, eight decades, eight decades, over eight decades she's lived, right? And it's like sit down. Ask, ask them about their lives. Ask them about what they cared about, you know, what they were passionate about when they were younger, stories from their life. You know, I asked her, I'm like, Abuela, what did you care about? What were you passionate about when you were 16? And she's like, boys. And I'm like, word. She was into boys, you know? She got married at 18. That's when she met my grandfather. And then I'm like, what about 25? She's like raising children. And I was like, what about 40? She's like not having to raise children, and just, and, and you be in it, you know, we were in the restaurant and this song was playing. I don't know what song it was, but this song was playing and my abuela, she's just looking out into the distance, right? And her eyes, they're just lit up and she's like, I, I, na, 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 na. She's like, this song brings me memories. And I'm like, oh, what, what memories does it bring you? And she's like, oh, I can't tell you. And I go, why? And she's like, because it's not appropriate. And I go, boys. <laughs> but yeah, you just cherish it, man. Cherish it. Call them, talk to them. You know, don't go, don't go months, you know, years with, without, without, without reaching out and communicating, go visit them. And when you get a chance to visit, visit them, even for a short period of time, be in the moment. Um, and, and really, really, really cherish it. I did. And it was, it was, it was the best. It was, it was, it was the best. I loved it. And uh, I, I made a video about this, but I also made her eat food that she didn't want to eat, uh, which was very, very gratifying. You know, after just centuries of grand grandmothers making their grandchildren eat more food than they wanted to, I finally made her eat more food than she wanted to. And not in a mean way, just in all, in, it, like it happened and I didn't realize that I did it. And then I understood why she does it, you know, because it felt good to be like, no, no, no you got to try this thing. See, what happened was. We were having dinner, and she ordered a salad to start, and then she ordered a uh, pescado a la vera cruzana for her main course, and I ordered the fish also, the same the same thing. Uh, but then when her salad came, it was bigger than she thought it was going to be, and she's like, I know, está muy grande, right? And as she put it, she asked the waiter how big the salad was going to be, and he said, not that big, and she said, pues es mentiroso, he lied. He didn't lie, it's just subjective, you know? 
And so then she tried to cancel her fish and the, the waiter's like, I'm sorry, the fish is already in the oven. And she's like, no, no, cancel it. And he's like, I can't. And then she looked deep into his soul and was like, cancel it, cancelalo, por favor, porque si no. And I don't know if she said porque si no, but like her eyes said it. And I could feel that guy felt that. Like he, she, she, he felt her say, if you don't, dot, dot, dot. Like he felt the ellipses. So he canceled it because he was just riddled with fear. But then my fish came, and the fish was delicious. It was one of the best uh, pescado a la vera cruzanas that I've ever had. And I was like, Abuela, you gotta, you gotta eat this. You gotta try this. And she's like, No, I don't. I, I, I'm, I'm too full. And I'm like, No, you, you have to. And she's like, I, I, I don't want to. And then I, I was just doing to her what she's always done to me. And I was like, Abuela, like I guilted her. I'm like, Abuela, I came all the he, all the way here from Los Angeles. Right. And, and I, I, I want I want you to taste this fish because it's so good. And I, w- I want you I want to see you see taste how good it is. So she's like, fine, give me a little piece. But anytime I've ever like given in to her food demands and asked for a little piece, she always gives me a much bigger piece. So I did the same thing to her, not even realizing it. And then she ate it. And she's like, oh, that was really good. And I felt the satisfaction of her being satisfied by it. I don't know if she actually like actually enjoyed the fish, but I, th- I think she did. And that was enough. So I won. I broke the cycle. I broke the cycle of grandmas to grand overfeeding grandchildren. And I overfed my grandma. I won. Soy el ganador. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a blast. It was, it was it was truly the best. Mexico is a a magical magical place, um, and the, the the people are truly wonderful. And you know, I love it. I really I really do, uh, and I and I feel lucky that uh that I, that I, that I got to go back. It was it was a great time. Um, so before we go, um, we uh we, we you know as I uh, uh I for did I forget to speak how to speak? Did I forget to speak? I forgot how to, I forgot to speak. Why did I forget to speak? Cause I forgot how to speak. No. Um, as we always do at the end of the, uh, at the end of the episode, I have people come in, uh, they don't come in, but they, you know, I go live on Facebook, uh, the day before that I record and I ask people if they have any questions and, uh, people ask questions and then I choose some questions. Um, but today I'm going to take one question. I'm gonna do one question cause it's, it's a loaded one. There's a story attached to it. And, uh, and you know, we, we got, we, that's, that, that's kind of, I think it's a good way to end it. Uh, so the question, uh, was, uh, and the question is from Yaakov and then, uh, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth also seconded the question. Uh, he asked, who is slash are your comedic icons and in what ways have they influenced you? Which is a great question. Um, so for that, I would have to go back to when I was a kid. I was, I was a very eccentric kid. I was a kid that just loved to perform and I, I loved to, I loved to do weird things. And, you know, I was loud and I was probably very annoying. Like I was the kid who showed up to parties and adults were like, oh, he's here. Cause I love talking to adults. Um, and they're like, I don't want to talk to you, kid. And I'm like, oh, but I want to talk to adults. Um, but w- I had two shows when I was younger that I watched all the time. Two shows, very different shows. Uh, I watched uh, I Love Lucy. Reruns of I Love Lucy was my jam. I loved it. And I watched Keenan and Kel. That was my my show on Nickelodeon. Obviously, there's like all that. Um, but but Keenan and Kel was my jam. And Kel was my favorite. And I Love Lucy was my other favorite show. And what I would do... Um, and to answer this question, I guess I would say when I was a kid uh, looking back, uh, there's three comedic performers that I can look at and I can go like, Oh, those were the ones that I remember being like, Oh, they're so funny. And, and, and I want to be funny. And they're, you know, they're, they're Lucille Ball, right? Um, Kel Mitchell and Eddie Murphy, because I, I distinctly remember seeing Eddie Murphy, uh, films when I was a kid. I remember the first time I saw coming to America and it was just so God damn funny. Um, but Kel uh, was like the person I wanted to be. Like I would go around and I would tell people, Ooh, who loves orange soda? Kel loves orange soda. Is it true? I do, I do, I do. Oh. Like I would only drink sun-kissed orange soda because I wanted to be Kel so badly. And I, I thought he was so funny and he did, he did this physical comedy. He was just, it was so funny to me. 
And then there was Lucille Ball and there was I Love Lucy. And I don't know if subconsciously there was a part of me that, you know, was like, oh, you know, Ricky is Cuban and she's this, you know, white American redhead. And maybe that's like an intersection of me being this white guy who's also Latino. And then I kind of saw my identity reflected in some way in that show. Maybe that was part of the appeal. But more than anything, it's just an incredibly funny show and it has a, a fascinating history. It broke so much ground. It was the first multicam, uh, the first three camera sitcom. You know, multicams are normally ones that you hear a live audience, but it's like Friends. Um, you know, that that's a multicam. Anything that takes place on a set, everybody loves Raymond. Uh, but I Love Lucy was the first one to have three cameras set up on a soundstage and kind of cutting between those three. Um, another fun fact, it was also the first time that somebody was pregnant on television, uh, and that was Lucio Ball. I, as the story goes, from what I remember, the uh, the head writer was Jess Oppenheimer, and uh, Lucy was Lucille Ball got pregnant, and he went. She went to him. And she's like, "Look, I think we're gonna have to take a break from the show because I'm pregnant." And I forget if it was if it was his idea or her idea, but one of them um, essentially came up with the idea of, "No, we're gonna show the pregnancy on television. We're gonna have the first woman be pregnant on television." And, and have a kid and show that whole thing because that's what the show's about. The show is about marriage and what what what, what tends to, what, what's a part of marriage is then having kids and let's show that on television um, and, and and that whole thing. And as the story goes, they you know they wrote the script which is uh, where she reveals to Ricky that she is pregnant at the at the Copacabana and uh, it's a super funny scene. If you get a chance, check it out, Google it. Um, and they, they wrote the script and then they had it approved, um, you know, because they have back then these television shows had these huge sponsors. And I think, uh, I love Lucy's was Philip Morris. It was like one of like the big cigarette companies. I uh, was one of the, uh, was one of the, uh, big sponsors and they, they said, I think they the way that I re, I remember the story rec, recount the story is they said you can do it but it needs to be approved. Um, oh no, I think that was Jess's idea. Um, the Oppenheimer, the head writer, he said uh, we'll have the script approved by a, a, a priest uh, and a rabbi, um, and that way it kind of has the religious approval. Um, so that's exactly what happened. The, these religious figures said this is okay, we approve this, and then it went on air, and the rest uh, is history. Uh, so it broke a lot of ground. It was this groundbreaking you know, sitcom, and there's plenty of other ways in which it did that, um, obviously with you know, Ricky Ricardo, and, um, and Lucille Ball was just this, 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 this powerhouse, both you know, behind the scenes and then also on camera. And I love the show so much that what I would do as a kid is I would write these mini episodes, these kind of like mini scripts for them. And, and, you know, you know, Lucy and Ricky go to Cuba. And, and then what I would do these like seven, eight minute episodes, I would perform them for my parents every Sunday. Right. So every Sunday I would be there and I would perform, you know, this thing. This, this this skit now would be all of the characters, right? I'd walk into the house, Lucy, I'm home, oh, Ricky, you know, and then there's Ethel and there's Fred and I would be all of these characters. And my parents were supportive enough to indulge me in that regard. Uh, but I remember when I, I, I switched schools in third grade. And when I switched schools in third grade, uh, there was a, I, I went to a French school originally. I was like a Le Lycée Français de Los Angeles, and I wasn't really fitting in there. So my parents wanted to put me into a Jewish day school. So they, there's a Jewish day school here in LA that I ended up going to. And uh, but before I could go there, they they were like, hey, let's have Daniel come in for a day, and um, you know, just make sure that he like fits in, right? So I go in that day, you know, third grade classroom. I go to the front of the class to introduce myself and I'm like, hi, my name is Daniel. And the teacher goes, well, actually, Daniel, we have like, like four other Daniels in the class. Do you have a nickname that you can go by? And I'm like, yeah, you can call me Kel, you know? And then she's like, Kel? I'm like, yeah, like Keenan and Kel. Cause I love orange soda. I do, I do, I do. Ooh. So from then on, kids would just call me Kel. But the other thing is that, you know, I was like, I also, you know, I was, I was very, passionate about and proud of, of my love for I Love Lucy and of these like per little performances that I would put on. I, I, I loved showing people and I was like, I also love, I love Lucy, right? And I got these skits and I could, I could do one, right? So I, the teacher was like, um, okay. 
So for the next however many minutes, I put on this whole big show. Lucy, I'm home. Oh, Ricky, we got a Kua. We got a wing on a wing on a. We got a rather jet ski. We're just, just like madness, right? For however many minutes. And when I'm done, right, it's like, and scene. And I look up and there's just like a sea of third graders looking at me like, who is this weirdo? And I definitely remember feeling a sense of rejection from, from, from that experience, kind of like a sense of rejection for would really amount to, to me just being myself. And I internalized that in a way. And for many years, even though I still was this, you know, this, this eccentric kind of like extroverted kid, I definitely felt like there was a part of me that wasn't validated, um, when I was just being myself. So from then I really set out to be another version of myself that would be accepted. Right. And it took me a long time to get back to that place where I was like, no, I, 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 as me being who I am and being creative and however that manifests itself is enough to be accepted. Right, and it's still something that I battle with, and we all battle with it, right? We all battle with this kind of like self, uh, self hate or resentment for oneself, and we think like I'm not good enough, or like what do I deserve, and like I should be. Let me try to be a little bit different, and maybe then I'll be cool, maybe then I'll be accepted, and we all battle with it, and it goes in, you know, and it goes in waves. But at the end of the day, I um, I work toward I, I I've I've gotten much better at just accepting, and only recently really working towards loving myself for who I am. Um, but, but yeah, Lucille Ball, Kel Mitchell, Eddie Murphy, like those, are the, those are the people I remember laughing, uh, laughing at, laughing to whatever, uh, when I was a kid and really setting me down this kind of comedic path, whether I realized it or not. And I want to make it clear too, I wasn't a funny kid. I'm not, and I don't know if I'm like particularly like a super funny person in life, uh, especially when I was in high school too, like my friends, there was a thing called a Daniel joke and a Daniel joke was a joke that wasn't good because I just wasn't a funny person. Right. So when I told them I want to be a stand-up comedian, you know, them, my parents, everyone was like, really you? And I wasn't funny. I mean, I just wasn't, I mean, I'd, I'd like to think that I'm funny now. Um, and, and I am, you know, uh, and, but I also don't think that I'm as funny as I will be. Uh, I'm, I'm always working towards becoming a, a funnier person. Um, but I, I wasn't funny and I just worked towards figuring out how to be funny. And a lot of those years of not being funny really were a result of me trying to be a different person on stage, trying to tell jokes from a point of view and a perspective that wasn't true to my point of view and my perspective. And I think people sensed uh, that falseness um, when I was on stage. Um, and only when I really started to embrace myself and started to embrace my point of view and my story um, and the way that I see the world and the experiences that I have that I start to get laughs um, and also that I that I start to like write and work um, you know I think there are there are a lot of comics out there and different comics operate in different ways there are comics that can just go up and they can have an idea or a premise as we call it and then just riff on it and essentially improvise and they they know their voice so well and they can find the funny you know organically and it's still a process but they they write on stage is is the way that, that, that we talk about it uh they write on stage um and there are comics that are just brilliant that can do that i am not uh that's not the way that I operate at my best. I actually need to sit down and I need to be like, okay, here's a funny idea. And, uh, here is uh, the way that I can, that I can write it out. And yeah, I'm actually, interestingly enough with this podcast, I'm doing that very thing. I'm taking an idea and I'm telling stories and I'm riffing and, uh, hopefully making you guys laugh in the process. Um, and then reflecting too, because I think a lot of comedy is also reflection. Um, but as far as, you know, influences now, you know, the first, comic that I saw that I was like, oh, I can just be myself. Um, not even that I could just be myself, but he was the comic that I, I was like, oh, he's like goofy, um, but he's, it's really smart. But he's also like kind of got this like edge to him was John Mulaney. And I remember discovering Mulaney and, and being really inspired by him. Gary Goldman's another guy who's just like a beast of a writer and is such, such, such a, such a, a great comedian. And, and then you, you have all the greats, obviously. Um, but, uh, you know, I think so much of comedy is being honest about the type of comedian that you are and not trying to, um, 
convince yourself that you're that you are the comics that you love. You know, like yeah, sure, I love you know, I, I love Chappelle. Chappelle is hilarious, right? But I'm not Dave Chappelle, right? And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna find my funny in the same way that Dave Chappelle finds his funny. You know, I can only hope to be a fraction of as funny as, as Dave Chappelle is. Um, and I think that's also the other fun part about it is like, I don't know how funny I will become, right? I don't know um, where where this pursuit of finding the funny will take me both in how I live my life and, and also, but in how, mostly in how I see the world and then how I take the way that I see the world and present it on stage. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the, the little bit meatier answer to my comedic uh, influences uh, growing up and now and where those come from. But really, the biggest thing for me is just my influences come from people that work really hard. And any great comic just works really hard. Yes, there are those that are just so naturally funny. And like they're just like them as their being is so funny um, that they can just go on stage and just crush there are there there are those comics, um, but I am am not one of those. I gotta work hard. I got I gotta sit down and I gotta write and I gotta I have to reflect and I need to write stuff that's actually serious and be like what what do I what am I what am I trying to say about myself and about my experiences and then find then reverse engineer that and find the funny in that. And a lot of the comics that I love just work really 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 hard and um and you see that in their work. It's reflected in their work. Um, it's this kind of like, kind of uh studious approach, uh, to comedy. Um, and maybe there's some that I think do that and they don't, but, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's really, that's the, really the way that I look at it. I think that's a good spot to, uh, to end this podcast though, to end this episode. Uh, this was a good one. This one went, uh, longer than I anticipated. I normally shoot for like half an hour, 35 minutes. We're at like 52. Um, if you're still listening right now, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, as always, I, uh, I I really appreciate you taking the time to listen uh, to this podcast, to watch it. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, the support that you give me really, it just means a lot. It really does. And I mean that wholeheartedly um, and, and with, with the utmost sincerity. Um, if you if you do enjoy the podcast and you want to help me out and give some feedback, uh, you can do that on uh, Apple iTunes. Uh, you can uh, subscribe, rate, review those those ratings and those reviews and those subscriptions really make a difference. So if you can just take a minute, go ahead and do that. And if you subscribe, when I put out a new episode, your phone will just tell you like magic. Uh, if you're on Spotify, keep listening on Spotify. I appreciate it. Uh, if you're on YouTube, subscribe to my channel. Um, I also you know put up going to start putting up other stuff as well on top of the podcast and. And, um, oh, what else? Yeah, subscribe, comment, like, all that good stuff. And this Friday, July 12th, I'm at the Hollywood Improv, 930. I will put that information, the ticket link in the bio. And if you're watching this, and this is way later, it's not July 2019, I'll keep updating uh, my tour dates and show dates in the uh, description. So you can look there to see, or you can just go to my website, danielweingarten.com. There, I always have uh, my updated tour schedule. Um, So on that note, thank you again, and we'll be back next Wednesday with a new episode. Till then, be good, be kind, and I'll see you next week. Bye.